Well, hello and welcome hello. to Mothers Talking. Um, it's just me, Jenna, tonight. Um, and I've got lovely Laura with me. Hi, Laura. Hello. And um, I was lucky enough to support Laura almost a year ago now. And Laura had a VBAC, which for those listening who maybe don't know what VBAC stands for, it's vaginal birth after cesarean. And around, well, the stats are quite different, actually. The UK have one of the highest VBAC rates, which I didn't actually know until today when I was doing a bit of research. So we're around the kind of 27% mark for VBACs. But um, the kind of average is around 10 to 15%. So it's, you know, it's a fair few um, and definitely worth the conversation for sure. And I think for me, just from a doula perspective, I work with a lot of mums who are going through the process, you know, of thinking about having you know, a birth after cesarean and not always knowing which way to go. But Laura, why don't you introduce yourself first? Tell us a little bit about you and then we'll go from there. So hi, um, I'm Laura. Um, I have three children. Um, Jenna supported me with the third of those, um, uh, the delivery of the third of those children. With my first, I had a C-section. With my second, I had a VBAC in hospital, which was a not wholly positive experience and with my third I had a VBAC at home surprisingly mm-hmm. um which was a very wonderful experience so I've mm-hmm. um I've had a kind of a variety of birth experiences I think that um I've got, I've got a number of perspectives on it. Um, <laughs> which is why it's so lovely to speak to you because you've been through all kinds haven't you all different kinds of birth experiences giving birth at home in hospital cesarean vaginal like like you say, you've got so many different perspectives. And where were you at when you started your third pregnancy? Like, how were you feeling kind of after the previous two births? And where was your head at at the kind of beginning? So at the beginning of the third pregnancy, I (laughs) pursued very much kind of an avoidant approach to uh, the um, sort of, you know, what was inevitably coming at the end, as in, you know, giving birth mm-hmm. um and I really kind of avoided thinking about it as much as I possibly could um mm-hmm. up until about sort of when I was about six months when when I sort of I felt confident that the pregnancy was going to go all the way through I felt sort of uh it, it became you know I, I had even I had to accept that inevitably I was going to be having to give birth to this baby mm-hmm. um so having sort of really stuck my head in the sand for the first six months um once I started to sort of acknowledge it, I felt extremely anxious about it. I felt really, really, well, not good um, uh, about what was what was ahead of me. Um, with my first baby, um, I went into spontaneous labour at 36 weeks, went straight to the hospital, was making a lot of, like, labour was progressing very fast. I had an epidural, everything slowed down. Ultimately, the baby didn't descend got stuck and I I ended up having a Mm c-section it wasn't the outcome I would have wanted but it was not it wasn't really traumatic it felt quite Mm -hmm. uh, consultative and quite empowered um Mm -hmm. with my second I went for a v-back I really didn't prep at all um I did not equip myself in a way that I feel like I should have I again went into hospital at 36 weeks because I was preterm, it limited a lot of my options. I had quite a traumatic experience. I, there was a lot of questions for me around consent. It was all pretty um, unpleasant. I came out of it feeling really bad, and it haunted me for the four years in between my second and third child. So uh, going into that third day, but I felt really, really worried. Um, you know, sort of desperately anxious about the whole thing. So where did that take you? Where? Did that anxiety take you? Because I think that's so, thank you for sharing that because it's so honest and, you know, women do feel so anxious, don't they? And and I also think it's interesting that you found, you know, I know we make a lot of assumptions about birth and you found your cesarean birth probably classed as an emergency cesarean, right? But maybe not feeling too emergency necessarily, do you think? 
Or... Yeah, it was. It was. I think probably what you qualify as a um, an unplanned. So it wasn't. It wasn't a kind of a crash situation. It wasn't sort of an emergency. Sort of get the baby out now. Um, but it was. It was. It was unplanned, um, and therefore happened sort of fairly fast. Um, but was always very calm. Very kind of. Um, it was a collaborative decision-making yeah. process. I felt yeah. very much that it was, that it, whilst perhaps I didn't have, I, I didn't necessarily feel like I had many choices, but at the same time, I still felt that I did make the choice for it to happen. Yeah. Um, and everyone was very kind, you know, and and um, I felt well looked after. And I mm. felt, you know, overall, I came out of it feeling, even though it hadn't gone as I had planned, I came out of it feeling I, I felt empowered. I, nonetheless, I felt really kind of pumped, and yeah. I came out of it. You know, my first, my first baby, telling all my NCT people, telling my friends who are having babies about what a positive experience it had been, and how, and and you know how they could do it, and and, and everything would be fine. Um, which you know, which is interesting, given that given that you know, arguably, a, a emergency C-section could be seen to be much more of a traumatic thing on paper, certainly. Yeah. And that's what's so interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of the research does say that it's not about how you give birth. It's about how you feel while you're giving birth. And like you mentioned in the the second birth, there were some consent issues and it it felt really traumatising because when a woman isn't at the centre of her care and when things don't feel like a choice, it's really, really, you know, disempowering, isn't it? You know, it's... Is everything you don't want it to be. So you're kind of six months pregnant. You're feeling really anxious. Where? How did you, you know, navigate that? How did you end up getting on a path to sort of facing that birth? I was very aware. Of, I, once I started thinking about it, started talking to people about it, you know, what was I going to do? And the midwives were saying, you know, I, I was I was looked after by um, the cesarean uh, kind of team at Kingston Hospital um, which was something that hadn't existed or I hadn't been involved in um, with my previous child but it meant I had continuity of care all the way through so I saw the same midwife from the beginning right up until she was the one who stitched me up after I had the baby she was mm-hmm. it was the the one person who I saw throughout um, I saw I had more regular care I saw um, midwives more often than I would have done otherwise mm-hmm. um, they started talking very early on about what kind of delivery I would like and talking about and and wanted to talk to me about you know my previous experiences and um and and were quite proactive about that there's not a lot of time to have those conversations but they were quite proactive about at least sort of nudging me to think about it I suppose um so that was probably what what made me start to think about it um because as someone who'd had previously had a c-section I was I could have just asked to have a repeat one um, mm. and that's one of the things they offered and they asked me about whether I would like um, Kingston Hospital is very pro VBAC and they really mm. they really um, support that and sort of promote it um, so they also sort of talked me through the fact that I had had a successful VBAC and my chances were extremely good for it being successful etc 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 and you know I did talk to talk to the midwife um, Lucy about you know whilst technically it was a successful VBAC you know the the outcome was that Mm. the baby came out of my vagina but um Mm. it it didn't you know it didn't feel sort of successful in a lot of other ways um so so I talked about that with her and I think you know with 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 the with the benefit of hindsight of having had that experience four years prior um with my middle daughter um and with the benefit of being you know, a few years older, a few years wiser. Um, mm. I I was very aware that whereas pre- previously I'd kind of gone into that second birth, very much just kind of hoping for the best. You know, fly by the seat of my pants. You know, mm. don't think about, it, don't overthink it. You know, I, I almost felt like I jinxed it if I thought about it too much. I think. Whereas mm. this time round, I came to the conclusion that I really needed to be much more proactive myself and not sort of wait for. I don't know, wait for someone to rescue me, wait for the wait for the hospital to tell me how to do it, wait for the midwives to, to kind of solve it for me. Um, so that's when I started looking into um, options for dealing with the experience of that um, of that second delivery. Um, and that's when I got in touch with you um, and did 
to do the uh, the three step rewind um, course, and that was really the first thing I did. Um, that was my first step. I had it recommended to me by a friend who is a doula, Dan in Cornwall, and she'd recommended it and said it was really successful. She'd, she'd used it with, you know, huge success with a really wide variety of people. So that that really pushed me to seek that out. Yeah. Um, just just for I those, that. I'll just explain it. Can yeah. I just explain it for those that might not know about it? Well, actually, I don't think that many people do know about it. Um, mm. Really, out, yeah, out of the birth circles, but the... The three-step rewind is basically a really gentle, isn't it, holistic kind of approach to helping you process birth trauma. Um, and it's called the three steps because <laughs> there's three parts. Um, but it's mainly a big chat, isn't it, and bringing, mm. it, bringing it forward to the light, really. I like to think about shining a light on what's happened and trying to help you bring it to the surface. Um, and the second part is a relaxation script and it's called the rewind because during the script you rewind parts of the memory um and then there's kind of a follow-up but um but yeah I just wanted people to understand what the three-step rewind is so that yeah that's how we met didn't we over yeah. doing the rewind together and sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you but how was that process for you um, I mean, I found that just uh, sort of incredible. It, it really made such a massive difference. Um, I think I went into it not necessarily with massive expectations, but more just more just sort of thinking that I needed to I needed to take some steps. I needed to be pre- proactive. And I found I think initially just the, the the stage of kind of talking about it and and feeling validated um, was really important and was really helpful. But the actual the actual kind of rewindy bit of it Mm. it was so I mean it was so weird I described it to you I think afterwards that in the in the kind of the previous months it'd been like this this kind of memory this 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 whole kind of nasty experience was was right here it was on my shoulder Mm. it was kind of talking Mm. to me all the time it was very very visible it was very technicolor it was it, it felt extremely kind of present and after we'd done those three steps whilst I can still remember what happened I still have you know I have the information mm. it just feels much further away it feels like and I think I, the analogy I used at the time was that it feels like when you've got um images saved on a computer and and sometimes you've still got the thumbnail but you don't have the backup um mm. that you don't actually have you can't click through the thumbnail into the actual full um resolution picture and it, it's kind of like that it was like the thumbnail's there I've got kind of the memory but the the whole Technicolor thing, mm. it's just it's not there. It's saved somewhere else. It's on another drive somewhere. It's not it's not sort of sitting right there, um, yeah. sort of waiting for me. Um, Amazing, isn't it? Because that's 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 the thing with trauma, right? It feel like you, you so beautifully describe it. it. It's very present, isn't it? It's like yeah. every time you think of it, your body reacts. You know, you have physical symptoms, don't you? When you yeah. remember something that's traumatic. And that's what Rewind's amazing at. It puts it in the past so that, you know, kind of where it belongs, not in the present, not in the body, it helps you shift it back out. Um, and I'm so, I'm so glad like for you that it was so powerful and worked so well. Yeah, it was huge, it really. And I think that, I think the success of that, I think really gave me the confidence that I could that I could do this, that I could, that I could kind of deal with all of that, I could process it, and that I could then take further steps to get myself in a really, really good place before um, before having this third baby. That I, I I kind of knew then that it's like, okay, well, so so I've done that, that works. I can now do X, Y, Z, and I can make a real difference to my own experience and kind of take responsibility for it um, and do everything I can to get myself in. Um, the best possible mental place um so yeah it was huge it was it was really very significant and it was off the back of that that I then asked you if you could be our doula and we weren't even sure whether we were even going to have a doula before then Mm -hmm. like this was a kind of another thing we'd sort of tentatively been chatting about and we weren't sure you know it's kind of a bit weird having someone else in the room and all of that stuff I went on a um, work retreat thing and one of my colleagues said if you're thinking about it just do it. Don't, you know, 
don't basically don't be an idiot just do it and you know get a credit card if you need to just just do just do it and um I think that was kind of the push that I needed because it was she she made him you know she made a very good point you know like why wouldn't you if this is something you're you're thinking about doing then this this you know having experienced how significant the previous birth experience was and how it stayed with me and affected me you know for all of these years later you know it's something you're gonna remember all your life it's so just just do it so I, I just did it and um <laughs> it was a very good decision I so, think people, yeah. I, is, I, I'm glad you brought up that decision process because I think people, lots of people do struggle with it. You know, I think not everyone understands what a doula is and it is a, it's not that hard to, uh, sorry, they're not that easy to explain mm. either because it's different for everyone, what you kind of get out of it. But I think, I always think it's a bit of an act of love to yourself to have a doula because it's sort of saying I matter, my experience matters, yeah. my birth matters, my future feelings matter, instead of, you know, sort of putting it to the side and just going, oh, I just make do, you know, it's like a... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was a huge leap for me, because I, I think it's a very sort of British thing and arguably a very sort of woman thing, is this, you know, thinking, oh, well, I don't want to make, you know, I don't want to make a fuss, I don't want to make trouble, you know, I... I understand that the NHS is under enormous pressure and I really support them. So I don't want to be a pain. I don't want to kind of bug people and ask too much. And I, you know, I know that resources are limited and I might not get what I want and all of this stuff and mm. kind of going through all of these kind of mental gymnastics. And it was, it was a really big leap to actually think, you know what, this is, this is important. This is, all of those things are true, but I, I deserve to, to kind of, advocate for myself and to be in the best position I can be and yeah it is important as you say um and it was that was a big leap yeah to take yeah it, it is I think it is and all the things you've said I bet lots of people listening feel that way and it is it is a big step but it's like like you've experienced when, whether birth goes right or or not so right it's so impactful you know, both ways, right? If you have a great one, it's hugely impactful. And if you have a not great one, it's hugely impactful. So it's so it's so important. And if anyone is listening, considering a doula and financially, you know, thinking, oh, well, that's out of reach, there are lots of options around doulaing. You know, there's lots of options. There's an access fund, part doula UK, which, and other, you know, sort of bodies also have it. But, you know, there's there's ways to access it if, you know, there's lots of tears, you know, for financial hardship mm. and things like that for the, if anyone is, you know, look into it because also lots of doers are in training and are happy to do, you know, deals and things. So it's, yeah, I just wanted to say that in case anyone's mm. listening, thinking it's out of reach. Okay, so you've, you've made the decision to have a doula. You've really done the work. I think doing your rewind is so brave because it's, it's not easy, is it? It's like mm. very vulnerable work. Um, I think it's so brave to just look at what you're scared of in the face and say, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to process this and face this. I mean, that's incredibly amazing. Um, so you've done that. You're feeling good. You've hired a dealer, your next step. What, what happened next? Where, where did it take you next? So I then did, I actually looked back after, um, Shortly after um, I had um, Holly, after I had the baby, mm. I wrote I wrote down my birth story just so I could remember it, you know, like mm. a couple of days later. Mm. And I also ran, wrote down all the things that I did, like all of the, the prep stuff. So I went back and looked at this and a lot of it I hadn't remembered. Yeah. Um, I met with the consultant midwife. That mm. was helpful. And I negotiated a lot of things. Um, yeah. And that made me feel, and actually, you know, as we will, as we will come back to later, um, a lot of it was kind of moot. I think a lot of it was irrelevant in the end anyway. But I met with the consultant midwife and I'd had a lot of kind of concerns about lots of procedural stuff that was making me feel very anxious. So mm. um, with my previous two births, 
straight in they put a cannula in my hand which I'd hated and I felt very medicalized um there'd been lots of kind of rules because I'd, I'd gone in to you know technically preterm labor twice before mm-hmm. so I've, I've been you know not allowed to use the birth center um not allowed to use a pool had to have continuous monitoring um lots of things that mm-hmm. um had just made had just kind of almost been obstacles in the way of 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 being able to kind of get into the zone and be be in the moment and so I had a meeting with a consultant midwife at Kingston Hospital who was great and sort of yeah, part, part of this this whole you know being how many years older and wiser and things is the realization that so many of the things that you're told you're not allowed to do is actually it's it's guidelines and hospital policy it's not law it's not um you know that actually nothing is set in stone in the way that I'd previously thought it had been um so that was a great conversation like negotiated you know no cannula I can use the birth center um I can use the water don't have to have continuous monitoring and I'd got all of that written down by her and that we had a, a kind of an agreement that was stored with her at triage and with me so that re- that was a huge weight off my mind knowing that it was kind of um it had been sort of enshrined in hospital kind of paperwork that it was there that you know all of this stuff that meant a a lot to me and it had been a significant part of my previous experience was kind of there on paper so I felt like I had um you know I had recourse to kind of paperwork so like if you know in that situation I could say but look it says on the paper you know I don't have to have this I don't have to have this and that really helped me feel a lot more confident about going into that um kind of hospital experience um that I had I had that support and that she was really sort of really cool and was like you know these these are recommendations however you know if that's not what you want you don't have to have it and I sign off on this and it's it, it's kind of there and it's official mm-hmm. so that was massive and that took a huge amount of anxiety um away from me um mm-hmm. so that felt really good and then I just did a load and load of reading and Instagram nonsense um i spend a lot of time on Instagram it's not a good thing I I sort of is a proper time suck but it was I found it enormously helpful in the birth prep because I'm very visual um Mm -hmm. I write everything down I doodle a lot I like things in diagrams I really things make sense to me if I can see them so I followed a load of um natural birth um accounts Mm -hmm. and I just consumed tons and tons and tons of videos and images and photographs of birth happening Mm. and just it just all just happening like Mm. so much of it the very kind of very graphic you know babies coming out crowning Mm. all of this stuff um and I found it all quite hard to watch to start off with Mm. but the more you see it the more you see it and it just it for me it just normalized it for me and it made it just it it made it not scary and because um my first VBAC my my first and to that point only vaginal delivery had been had had felt so out of my control it felt Mm. really scary and Mm. horrible and um they'd used the von twos at the end and sort of dragged her out of me and that whole kind of thing that for me the whole concept of babies coming out that way had become so horrible in my mind Mm. that I watched these millions of videos of Mm. babies coming out and it being kind of natural and normal and beautiful and not traumatic and not like not sort of horror film and not kind of grotesque it was just what's supposed to happen and what does happen Mm. and I I I just watched and watched and watched and watched and I watched them with my children um Mm. and it just became you know for for three months we were kind of 24 hour crowning tv and it was you know (laughs) it was an awful lot of it I absolutely love it but you kind of like rewrote your thought process yeah you kind of rewrote the story the conditioning that you felt that what had happened patterns you were kind of setting in your mind you just drowned it out (laughs) yeah yeah I really honestly did it was like it was kind of I I sort of I had a certain number of files in my head that were like you know bad 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 mm. and I just filled filled the rest of the space so that the overall you know my overall library was overwhelmingly positive things mm. so that you know when when my sort of brain went there the chances are that it would pick up a nice image rather than a bad one 
Um, Do you want to suggest any accounts that were particularly great? Because I'm sure lots of people that listen to us are on Instagram. Was there any yeah, um, that you found really helpful? So the pain-free birth account, um, mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily agree with a lot of a lot of kind of what was said it wasn't necessarily kind of didn't necessarily chime with me and it's a very it's got a very religious steer which is doesn't chime with me personally but the content the, the photos and the videos and things there's a lot of them and they're brilliant um they're really really wonderful so that that was the main one yeah um that i that i spent a lot of time on um i also enjoyed the naked doula um mm-hmm. for some very um very kind of sweary, very kind of humorous mm. um, uh, material. Um, and th- there were kind of flashcards and, and kind of reminders and things. And I found that very useful for just um, kind of drilling in some um, uh, sort of techniques and mantras and things like yeah. that. So the main one that actually I used an awful lot on the day was <laughs> the, uh, the acronym, is, acronym is FFFF and it's floppy face, floppy fanny. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which I which I really that was the main one that I kind yeah. of drilled and I really kind of used that a lot yeah. in the time in on the day um and then I looked at spinning babies a lot um mm. and I really liked actually Kingston Birth Centre just post pictures periodically not very often of just a very lovely looking birth centre room with all twinkly lights and it just looks like a really nice place to hang out and I found that very calming you know the idea of that being where I was planning to go yeah. and it just looking beautiful and like so I'd like to hang out you know now so you really like immersed yourself mm. in the experience that you were hoping for yeah kind yeah. of imagery sounds visualizations the place that you know the what the birth might look like the words that might be you know you really like went all senses kind of immersed yourself in this kind of yeah. bubble of you know brilliant birth yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I did and I made you know that was that was what I did for the three months. That was my job, really. I I properly kind of did that, and it was you know it was worth it. It was, and it, I felt I felt better with every kind of day that I did that. It made yeah. me feel calmer and more empowered, and not you know not in control. Very accepting that you know there's only so much you control, and what will happen will happen, and mm-hmm. and all of that. But just just kind of empowered that. I had sort of the tools and the the mindset that I needed to to do all of that. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're kind of near. We're sort of. I feel like we're we're talking you up to the birth almost. Mm. But how did you feel at the end? Like nearer the end of pregnancy, nearer the birth. Because at the start, you said you know basically avoidant became extremely anxious obviously started to process really process started getting really positive where did you end up before the birth um I felt fairly mental in the final few weeks um because I was expecting I'd I talked everyone into the I everyone midwives everyone into the idea that I was definitely gonna be having this baby at 36 weeks I had the other <laughs> then and I I'd convinced everyone everyone was expecting it and then 36 weeks came and went and I didn't have the baby and then 37 weeks came and went and I hadn't had the baby <laughs> 38 weeks came and went and 39 um and so I'd started to feel quite mad by that point um I think impatient in a good way but then there's also I started to feel the pressure of 40 weeks coming and I was 41 years old so they 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 the midwives were, were, were not at all keen for me to go beyond 40 weeks and I, again, you know, I, I was very aware this time around that that was very much my choice and I didn't have to agree to anything, but I could feel this sort of ticking. And they started from my, uh, my sort of midwife when I was still only 36 weeks pregnant, she started to raise this, you know, okay, do you want to book in an induction for this date? So I felt like there was this kind of, in those final weeks, the pressure had really begun to ramp up again. Um, and I decided that I didn't want to be induced, but should I go over a certain point, I would go straight for a C-section instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of had that then. Then I having having done all of this sort of immersing myself and and mm-hmm. and visualizing and planning, it it all got a bit a bit sort of pressury um, towards the end because because there was this kind of countdown to this this magical forty weeks. Um, 
I felt some of the pressure kind of taken off by saying that, okay, so under, I'm, under no circumstances am I going to be induced because of my previous experiences, you know, my a feeling that it's going to end up being very much out of my control. I would rather kind of have the, the sense of control and empowerment of making a decision to sort of cut out a middleman and, and yeah. go, go straight for a C-section should it, should it come to that. And that and that did ha- help me feel a little bit like this, like it was in my hands. And what was kind of hilarious in the end was that I went for um, I went to see the midwife at thirty nine weeks and said, okay, you know, fine, it, it's it's sort of we're getting to this this cutoff date. You know, I'm happy to book in a C section for you know forty one weeks X time, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to do that, I had to see a consultant. They didn't have any appointments to see the consultant for two weeks. So, so I went, you know, all of these, these kind of very important dates, it was all kind of imaginary and arbitrary anyway. So I think even should it have come to that, I, I wouldn't have been seen a consultant until I was 41 and a half weeks anyway. And then there would have been a, you know, until there was a spot to put me in. So that's an interesting message though for women, isn't it? Mm. Like, it's absolutely essential. We're really concerned. You must be induced by 40 weeks. Oh, but we don't have an appointment for a couple yeah. of weeks. You know, so, and then you immediately are like, well, it can't be that serious. You know, it can't be that. You know, they always use the word risk, don't they, instead of yeah. chance. But it's like, how risky can it be if you don't want to schedule me yeah. in? <laughs> yeah. So did yeah. that help psychologically as well as kind of practically? Yes. Yeah, it did. Because yeah. it, really, it really just kind of, There'd been a, a long kind of process of um, being the, sort of the scales falling from my eyes, I think, about you know everything I'd, certainly with my first birth, and probably with the second, that I'd understood to be like non-negotiables, absolute facts, mm-hmm. um, uh, things you were allowed and not allowed to do, you know, and, and, and it, uh, it had really just, this, this, this was a whole kind of process of enlightenment, and that really was kind of the, the cherry on the cake of like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not quite as black and white as, as, as it may be communicated to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that helped a bit. So, I felt, yeah, I felt, I felt the pressure a bit during the, those final weeks. Um, I also had, I was, I was pronounced this wrong, prodomal labor. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. Anyway, that one. So uh, for the for the last sort of week and a half, maybe two weeks, I would be having every night I'd wake up having sort of light contractions and I'd wake up in the night and I'd lie there sort of thinking, you know, welcoming it, welcoming it, not trying to run away from it, thinking, is this it? And doing a little bit of kind of planning in my head as well at the same time, sort of lying there trying to be, you know, relaxing every muscle in my body and, and welcoming and thinking, right, well, if we, you know, if it happens at this time, we we'll drop the kids off here and then I can, you know, call my cousin and then I call my mum and doing all this and then waking up the next morning and it, nothing happening. And that kind of happened quite a lot of times. So I, mm. I felt like, you know, by the time we actually got there, I was, I was very prepared because um, I'd really been, I'd been running, kind of running this scenario sort of every night. Yeah. Um, I also had um, a few sessions of reflexology in the in that final sort of week, two weeks, um, which really helped as well. It was just, which is again, it's something I've never kind of had any interest in, and never, and I still probably don't like believe in it. But I found it really, really nice and felt really helpful. So I, I just kept doing things like that to sort of yeah. look after myself and having lots and lots of baths and um, doing frantic amounts of colouring. <laughs> I remember I just coloured I did so much colouring because <laughs> I find it very calming yeah. um, but it's yeah. that it's sometimes we can't it's not for everyone right like you say it's not for everyone reflexology it's not for everyone to have a bath or do the kind of typical relaxation things you know so if it's not for you like you found colouring that thing that just worked to just mm. quiet the mind and not always think about the birth or you know what was coming and and I think if everyone can just find that one thing that does do that for you, because you need a brain break. Yeah. It's it's all consuming, isn't it? Especially near the end. It's all you're thinking about. When are they coming? What's that? You know, it's just all, everything. So I think if you can just have some, yeah, breathing space in your mind, that's so lovely. I love that you coloured. I've, I've still got the various kind of books and sheets and things. It's It's proper. I feel like I should make it into some kind of a, you know, this, this is what happened to my mind in the final weeks yeah. a lot of it. <laughs> definitely <laughs> that's a really nice idea like a memory of your yes. brain <laughs> <laughs> oh I love that okay so we're we're are we there are we at the birth now do you think have we yeah. covered everything up until the birth so 
tell us, tell us what happened. So with spectacular timing, my then four-year-old got chicken pox, um, uh, sort of the day before I ultimately had the baby um, or two days before. Um, and we'd been kind of waiting for this to happen because it had been going around her class at school and, you know, there'd been sort of various friends and family had been going down and then, and then and we were thinking, you know, could, could she not, could we come somehow kind of avoid this? And yeah, sure enough, suddenly she came over very spotty. Um, and that night there was a night and she was, really spotty and really itchy and really sad and she came into bed with me and you know this was my at that point she was my baby she was my smallest child um mm -hmm. and we stayed up just all night and she watched Ben and Holly for like five hours on my phone and I intermittently applied um uh, like non-itch stuff to her and um and you know we cuddled and we really spent some like seriously super quality time together you know retrospectively very oxytocin-y kind of time together mm -hmm. and I really just kind of had that time and I just poured all this love into my baby and it was you know it was it was very beautiful if you know very tiring and whingy um but it was a very it was a very lovely night and I'm really glad we had that um and then at eight o'clock in the morning I got up gave her handed her over to my husband and my husband and, and the two old children went off down the end of the garden to the we got a garden office thing and I went back to sleep for a couple of hours um and I woke up and just kind of lying there thinking you know still pregnant <laughs> still pregnant um and I felt a sort of a pop in like the side of my belly yeah. and so I spent quite a ridiculously long amount of time thinking that's weird I don't know what that was <laughs> it's a strange feeling and it really took quite a long time for me to think you know very very pregnant pop in the, you know, what, what might that be um and leapt up and sort of ran to the bathroom for my waters to go very quickly started feeling um sort of regular but short contractions so they were sort of I don't know not you know five minutes apart maybe mm. short you know there but not sort of painful just kind of uncomfortable so I waddled off down to the end of the garden and scared everyone by saying we might be having a baby today um <laughs> let you know um mm -hmm. thought I'd try and eat something I'd been reading um Natalie's book about you know the how to have a baby book which I'd found like wonderfully helpful I read it all every single page mm -hmm. and you know all the stuff about sort of staying in staying in room what was it room one or room a or whatever it is and, mm -hmm. and not you know not getting ahead of yourself and just kind of pottering keeping this chill so I went and had a bowl of Cheerios and went and had a shower and um was sort of pottering about but it all kind of started picking up very quickly actually um and it really wasn't very long before I was thinking <laughs> actually this is unacceptable <laughs> I don't like it I've changed my mind <laughs> um <laughs> So, and that's the point at which um, Dan called you and asked you to come and rushed the kids away, poor, poor Poppy, all spotty and crying and chicken poxy, rushed them around the corner to my cousin's um, so that I could do all my shouting that I needed to do without scaring them to death. And then whilst he was gone, it was before you came, and I was in the house on my own, and I was there. I'd had a shower. Things were getting really quite painful. I've got the tense machine on got a comb because you know the, the comb acupressure thing mm. and uh, I, that was kind of at the point where I, I'd been sort of talking to you and, and planning and, and kind of scenario planning for when I panic you know when I freak mm. out mm. Um, because I knew I would I'd done it before um, and that had been kind of the focus of what I wanted to kind of deal with and get over and get through was that was that panic point and that was the point where in the two previous deliveries, I'd wanted an epidural, and it's the point at which I'd gone from everything happening really quite fast to everything kind of a stop and a slowdown. And then in those two situations, things getting complicated and instrumental um, mm -hmm. and intervention-y. And I really just wanted to get through that stage. So um, while I was in the house on my own, I very much got to that stage, and it was the the very sweary, shouty stage. Um, a real sort of panic panic yeah I need to go to hospital I need to have an epidural I can't you know I can't can't possibly do this no one should be expected to do this so yeah Dan came home to find me stamping around and shouting um and then 
I saw your sensible family car speeding up to, <laughs> to across the other side of the road. <laughs> I felt very reassured by that. Um, so I think, yeah, you arrived to me stamping around my sitting room in my bra and pants with my tens machine on, really, really having like a full blown panic by that point, mm-hmm. um, and having sort of contractions every minute and being just terribly frightened mm-hmm. and terribly anxious, which. You know, of all the things that you don't, you don't know how things are going to play out. I knew, I knew that I'd get to that stage, and I knew that would happen, and I knew that that's 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 what all of that kind of work had been. Really, was for that stage more than for more than for pushing, more than for crying, more than for anything like that. It was it was for that moment, that sort of panic, panic moment. Yeah, and that's when you came in and you just kind of enveloped me. And I, you said, I wrote down, you said, you know, it is big because I was going, oh, it's too big, it's too big, I can't do it. And you said, it is big, and that made somehow kind of that made a huge difference just to have it kind of acknowledged that it is and that's okay that it's not mm-hmm. that it's not an aberration it's not an emergency it's not a crisis it just is really big mm-hmm. um and that made an enormous difference mm-hmm. um and then I screamed in your ear for a while <laughs> which again was really helpful because at that point I'd been sort of fighting it, fighting it, fighting it, trying to kind of control and contain, you know, the contractions mm. that were very intense. And I'd been trying to, trying to kind of, yeah, contain it to kind of keep it in. Um, and to switch to then just kind of, well, there's, yeah, there's a lot of talk about surrender, isn't there? And it, you just to, to surrender to it and just to switch to vocalizing it. Mm. Um, and I sort of likened it afterwards, talking to Dan, to in sort of films and things where you've got someone who's got to drive their spaceship into the heart of the sun in order to save the world or something. And they're doing it and they're driving their spaceship and they scream as they go. They say, ah, that. And I felt like that's what I, I felt like that. And it, I love that. and it helped enormously. And, you know, it gave me something to do with that, with that feeling, with that energy. And it, and it kind of made me go into it rather than away from it, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. So I did that for a bit, had an ambulance guy turn up, um, because at this point we were obviously still in my sitting room um, and everything was happening quite fast. And it was certainly, I think, apparent to me and to everyone else that I wasn't going to be getting in the car to go to the hospital. Um, so at some point, and this all gets a little hazy for me, this is where Dan phoned triage and triage suggested on hearing all the shouting <laughs> that, um, that perhaps they might want to, we might want to call an ambulance. So advanced ambulance guy arrived. And again, this is this is where it was just enormously, it just made all the difference having you here. Because as soon as this guy arrived and came into our space, and he was, you know, doing his job and being, you know, perfectly nice and perfectly respectful. But the first things he wanted to do was get sort of, um, he wanted to get the oxygen pulse thingy yeah. on my finger and just kind of get some get some basic kind of data and observations and things. And I was ready to just kind of go along with that immediately. I was ready to just, be a good girl and do the things that were expected of me um and it was only when you said you don't have to have that if you don't want to uh, that again was just was just the prompt I needed to be like I absolutely don't want that I don't want that and I kind of shook it off and and that and that enabled me to go back into into kind of the giving birth space whereas I would absolutely have gone into the like okay and I'll have this taken and I'll have these observations done Mm -hmm. and I would have very quickly gone been taken off you know willingly down into this kind of sort of organized medicalized sort of emergency this is a kind of a a medical event kind of um path um so stop that at some point an, an ambulance arrived with some more crew and some more people and people were around but but at this point, I think it had been, it, you know thanks to you that there'd been this kind of um space had been defined that it was not going to be a they were not going to be participating in this experience. They were very much there to sort of keep us safe. And I felt, I felt really positive about them being there. I felt, I mm-hmm. felt like I was safe mm-hmm. and I felt like if there'd been an emergency, they could have saved mine or the baby's lives. And that's, and, and that was really all I needed. They were there. Mm-hmm. They stood out on the drive, <laughs> poor things. And, uh, and I felt, I felt kind of, I was in my own home. I was in control of the environment. Um, and who was in that space and but but there were there were you know should it should it be necessary there was an ambulance parked in my driveway uh which you know, you know kind of struck this wonderful balance 
because I remember you saying about the kind of transferring in, you were just like, I can't move. Like, yeah. You were just like, I, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Like you were yeah. grounded, weren't you? Like, yeah. Like I just put force, isn't there? Like you were like, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't I see move. any situation in which I could have got up, gone to, you know, even, you know, I couldn't, have, I, I couldn't have got up. I couldn't have walked to an ambulance. I couldn't have been on, I couldn't have got on a stretcher. I just, I, I couldn't see any situation in which my body would allow that to happen. Like mechanically, I was, different stuff was happening. I couldn't, I couldn't kind of deploy any of my normal movement. I, it just, it just couldn't, it, I just wasn't doing it. I just, yeah. Which <laughs> I love. You're like, I'm not going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone came to you. That's, that's why not? Yeah. So yeah, that was the point at which um, the advanced ambulance guy went off back to the hospital and brought back a home birth midwife to my front room, which was just such a wonderful thing. Uh, such yeah. a wonderful thing. It's a thing that I didn't ever know was a possibility. And I think, you know, heavily reliant on chance that that person was available at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was the moment at which everyone was like, okay, we're going to have the baby here. This is fine. It's all, this is fine. Everything's fine. You know, I think everyone felt that there was the necessary sort of personnel and things in place to, to just kind of let it happen. Um, and so, yeah, I had the baby in the sitting room um, where I'm sitting now, actually exactly where I'm sitting now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was amazing. And it was, it was just amazing. And it was everything that I had and in my sort of in my wildest dreams of of how this birth could have gone, it was it, it was all of those things. It was just it was just wonderful. It was all of all of the kind of all of the stuff that I just had kind of made my peace with having to happen. Like you know, going through triage and how you you know how you negotiate that and how you navigate it and how you make sure you know you don't spend as, you try not to spend too much time there and how you stay in the zone while you're there. And I I'd done all this prep for it and I was I was ready to do it, but my god it was so wonderful not to have to it was just just the best um and through that whole experience you know I had had the baby in the sitting room it was my house I was in charge Mm. I didn't have a single um examination I didn't have I never knew how dilated I was at any point it didn't matter um I didn't I would have, if I'd been in hospital, I would have demanded a, an epidural again. And I think things would have slowed down again, but there wasn't one available. So that was great. <laughs> I realized that I just need to be taken away from the, the option of an epidural. Um, I didn't have, a, you know, no cannula, no monitoring, no, no, I mean, nothing. There was, and I, and I felt absolutely safe at all times. I felt, and that was the, that was why I, I hadn't, I hadn't thought I was a good candidate for home birth and I'd never sort of, fancied it I thought but I think I'd um, I'd kind of all of that that um immersion that I'd done all of that imagery it was overwhelmingly home births and when it came to it the only way I could imagine having this baby was having it here Mm. and that was the only way you know it just like it and it to the point where it felt like an absolute like no-brainer like how you know what are we even talking about going to the hospital why would I do that this is at that point I was so kind of convinced I don't know I was I felt so certain so sure and so so absolutely safe I never I never felt worried like mm. you know it but you know and it was a VBAC and you know there's they're all the there's the there are the risks that you know of uterine rupture of all of these things and I just I just felt completely completely safe and completely like it was this is how it's supposed to be and it all made sense and um and where where was that safety coming from from in you like was it this like where where did that safety element come from I think from in me yeah I mean I think I mean actually you know what I don't know I was thinking if it had just been me and Dan would I have felt so confident I think I was so in it in those latter stages if I'd been able to get past the panic panic in the latter stages I was so in it I was so sure I think I would have made the same decision Mm. even if there'd been no one else there Mm. um I think I still would have been here because I just, I don't know, I just felt so sure. I felt like, you know, that this was, that I felt sure that this was the right choice, that this, mm. not even the right choice, the only choice. It was, yeah, I felt absolutely certain. But I think, you know, kind of not just considering myself, I think for for Dan, my husband as well, the fact that we had 
you know, we had the full suite. We had we had a wonderful doula. We had um, an ambulance, and we had a midwife. You know, we had we had basically you really couldn't have asked for anything more. And it was, mm-hmm. and I had gas and air, which was great. I had you know, it was brilliant. It was all just you know, mm-hmm. perfect. I mean, I mean, it's such a wonderful story. Amazing, but you know what? You you really like you brought that to you. Do you know what I mean? Like. You did the hard things, you did the work, you looked that deep anxiety in the face and were like, I'm going to get rid of you. And even like that awareness of that moment, you knew, we talked about it in pregnancy, didn't we? And you knew you were going to panic. You knew it was going to scare you. And you were still ready, you know, like to work with it. I mean, that's so incredible. And, you know, and I just love that you say it was just like, it, it sounds like, I know it's a bit hippie, but you know that, some kind of deep intuition or deep knowing that you just knew you were okay. You knew mm. it was okay. It was like in you at that moment when you were just listening to yourself, you got that message that uh, this is okay. You know, it was all the coming to you to drive you forward and bring baby gorgeous baby to you. I mean, oh, what a story. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a privilege to be there such a privilege um oh wow thank you <laughs> it's really nice to talk about it because it's nearly a year now so it's, yeah. it's kind of it feels really nice to, to sort of sit back and reflect on that and yeah. um yeah and there's a point at which people stop wanting to hear your story <laughs> 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 so uh, it's really nice to have a reason to talk about it <laughs> to be able to share it oh. well it's been it's been such a lovely chat I've loved it and I think you've put in so many useful like brilliant tips as well you know all these things you've done are just helping other mothers just have this map of like oh I could do that I could go here I could try this I could you know give them loads of ideas to help them build towards a you know a, that confident feeling that you felt you know that's yeah brilliant thank you so so much well, thank you. <laughs> you know, it, it, honestly, I mean that that most of all that moment when you arrived was was a crossroads, and that was the crossroads. That was the moment at which I would have run screaming to the hospital and said, "You know, give me all the drugs, do all the interventions." I I I abandoned my agency, just kind of save me, mm-hmm. um, and it would not have been what I wanted. Mm-hmm. you know and so so that gave me the the kind of the the support and the strength that I needed to push through that and and you know well, do thank it thank you I didn't get you on here to talk about me but I'll, <laughs> I'll take it I'll take it well, it's, you know it was hugely significant <laughs> so it's but also it, it's you it you know it's always the mum you you really did work hard and you were, as I've said before, you were amazing and brave. And, you know, I might have said a few words, but it was you being in a confident, trusting place of yourself at that moment as well, you know, because that's where you were. You know, you really knew you could trust it. And it's just a few reassuring words. Oh, yeah, I can. You know, it's like I can go there, you know. So that was you. That was you. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you very, very much. Um, it was just lovely, lovely to chat. Thank lovely you. to talk to you too. And no babies woke up, so we're doing well. I know. <laughs> How did that happen? We both got three and we got away with it. Six children not waking up. Magic. <laughs> God, magic. that is magic. <laughs> oh, okay, lovely. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. <laughs>